Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host The Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room, and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music, too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C., or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app. Hello, this is Christian Bush, and welcome to Episode 12, the last episode, the cliffhanger of Season 1 of my podcast, Geekin' Out. Every episode, I invite a new person to talk about one thing that they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with their job. The only requirement is that they're totally geeking out on it and they want to talk about it. From cosplay bowling leagues to custom pet picture speedos, from do-it-yourself tiki huts to murder mystery train rides, from spooky haunted hotel overnights to collecting vintage Beanie Babies, tell me about what you love, why you love it, how you got into it, and what makes it awesome. Each episode is presented in three chapters. In chapter one, my guest and I will have a conversation about their passion. In chapter two, we play a game I call Trajan, where my guest and I turn each other on to one thing that we've found that's cool. And in chapter three, I close the show by talking about music that I'm currently geeking out on and why. I believe that curiosity is contagious and that life is better with a soundtrack. So let the geeking begin. Chapter 1. Today's guests are Claire Bowen and Brandon Robert Young. Claire you might recognize from her role as Scarlett O'Connor on the CMT Hulu hit TV series Nashville. Growing up in rural Australia, Claire worked on stage and screen before landing her big breakout role on Nashville. In addition to acting, Claire is an accomplished singer-songwriter who brings a unique joy and spirit to her own music. You should also know that she was diagnosed with cancer at four years old and spent a childhood in and out of hospitals. Claire's husband and musical partner, Brandon, is a remarkably talented guitarist and singer, he moved to Nashville in 2000 with a guitar he didn't yet know how to play. He represents in many ways the country singer-songwriter's dream, having spent years paying his dues and learning his craft. And with Claire, he's found his creative and life partner. Claire and Brandon are currently performing as an opening act on Sugarland's Still the Same Tour, and I took the opportunity before a show to get to know them both a little better and deep dive into her dark side. Oh my gosh. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. <laughs> I am so excited 
that you're here and that you guys have agreed to do this. <laughs> okay, so first thing we're going to do is you need to introduce yourselves because you know the rules of the podcast are I want to know what you're geeking out on that has nothing to do with your job. So first, <laughs> tell everyone who you are, where we are, and what your job is. Uh, my name's Claire Bowen, and we are sitting on the beautiful bus of the beautiful Christian Bush, one half of Sugarland, and... Uh, my where job where is, are we in the world today? Are we Rapid City right now? I think so. That's yeah, South that, Dakota. Yeah, it happens on... We're near Mount Rushmore. I we think. are near, oh, okay. yes. Uh, We're Mount Rushmore adjacent. Adjacent, yes. Uh, my job is to sing and tell stories, and this has been the most wonderful tour to be on because it's, it's so easy. It's just me and, and my sweet husband, Mr. Brandon Robert Young here, and my job is basically to uh, show up, sing, and not suck. It's a good, it's a good way to you know live. Just don't suck. <laughs> yes. Okay. So your job is in the entertainment business, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I, yes. I would also add that you're an actor, right? Yes. And 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 are, Brandon, are you, do you act? Is that I something that you do? Well, I kind of feel like I've been acting since I moved to Nashville, pretending to be a musician. <laughs> That's everybody's insecurity. But uh, <laughs> he's actually very good. So we've uh, there have been a couple of projects that. Haven't come out yet that I've, I've uh, nudged him into, and he's done a very, very good job as a as an actor storyteller. Awesome. So you understand the rules that uh, what you're obsessed with can have nothing to do with singing or acting or any of that. Precisely. Okay. So uh, I I kind of know what's coming, but tell me what is, what are you geeking out on? Uh, I well, I grew up in a children's hospital and. I guess that has probably prompted this, but I'm fascinated with medical history and just the function of the human body and anatomy in general. Um, I think medicine, like the way it's developed is incredible. Um, And going back to like from the ancient Egyptians, that kind of, uh, that far back in history and the way things have been lost and found again, like the Egyptians knew that washing your hands was a good idea and they knew that germs existed. They didn't know how to deal with them, but um, it was like Victorian times, I think, where germs were still not um, not a thing. And there was one doctor, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, he insisted that, and this is, a, you know, I could probably try and find it. He absolutely insisted that um, people should wash their hands and surgeons thought that he was insane because they didn't believe in germs yet. This is like, I think, 1830. 1818, I think he was born. Um, he was, oh, there he is. Um, Ignis Semmelweis. Uh, he was this, this outlandish idea that doctors should wash their hands. And he was commended to a mental institution for, because people thought he was just nuts. And it's something common practice now in uh, medicine. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Let's see. I geeked out. You're, <laughs> you're, <laughs> this is awesome. I've never heard of this. So, um, how does this manifest, like, in your day? How I can tell you how it manifests in her day. <laughs> how does rule, it manifest in her rule day? Rule number one, Christian, don't look at her Instagram because there are multiple medical images that will pop up. At any given time, she follows all of these different. Yeah, I don't. I don't look. Tell tell me about some of the ones you follow. 
Um, well, there are a couple who are morticians. Um, there are a couple who are followed by a lot of medical students. Um, there's, gosh, people who... Oh, gosh, what is that book called? I can't remember the name of the book, but it's it's all about... Oh, it's called The Butchering Art. Um, it's And it's about human... The history of human dissection and, and um, the job of a mortician, like, throughout the ages. It's quite fascinating. And just the way um, disease moves through the body. And I'm not... Those things don't gross me out. I don't have... I don't have a gag reflex when it comes to blood, my fight-or-flight instinct, which my doctor says I apparently live in all the time. Fantastic. Um, I will... I'm a fight person, so I'll go towards something instinctively that's that maybe other people couldn't handle visually or mentally or um and that's that's a good thing and a bad thing because I well I don't know I figure if you can if you can stand to look at somebody who really needs your help if they have like a compound fracture or if you know their symptoms are something that someone else might not rec- like people who are about to have a stroke there are certain ways that you you recognize that and not everybody knows them um, if you can handle that kind of environment and situation, then you might as well learn about it so that you can help people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of the your level of comfort in those types of environments is because you grew up in a children's hospital. You grew up around kids who were as sick as you were or sicker, and a lot of them didn't make it, and you were exposed to... You know, a lot of scenarios that a four-year-old never would have seen. Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody pass out when you didn't? Oh, do you mean like other people passing out? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Is there no level that can freak you out? Like, mm. it, I, like if it's if it's a person, like somebody that you know and love. I mean, even then, I mean, uh, my brother was in a really terrible car accident, and my he's okay. Uh, it was right before he was diagnosed with cancer, actually, and I think the car accident is what jolted his system into shock, which made the cancer kind of weird to say, but thank goodness we started to see the symptoms of it because my brother and I both had it, different kinds, and our bodies are very good at um, suppressing symptoms for some reason. So we've both, we were both diagnosed in very, very late stages of our illnesses. Anyway, he had this car accident, totally, like, destroyed mum's car and it was just this old man who drove out in front of him and Tim was going down the freeway so the the car was like it looked like no one could possibly have survived it Timothy did thank the sweet lord in heaven um and dad pulled up a photo of the car like the photos from the insurance company that the police took and uh it is a mess and mum poor mum she um she he didn't mean, Dad didn't mean to show it to her, but she walked past his computer, took one look, and just passed out. So that's, it's a... Your mom passed out? Yeah, oh. and I was in the other room, and <laughs> Dad's, Claire! <laughs> kind of, and for him, seeing her in that way was, you know, he was, he was so good, but it, she's his, his, his person, you know, so he was, he was really shaky, yeah. and, and I, like, we all were, but... Uh, if you can be, and so far it's worked, um, if you can be clear-headed in a situation like that, not to say I'm any kind of better than anybody else or nothing like that, but um, 
my mind works medically at the same time as working emotionally so I can see dad's in distress and mum is too and she was gonna she was gonna wake up we just needed to get a cold towel and let her sit there for a minute and tell her it was all right and wait it out and poured it it's hard when you're watching somebody that you love go through something traumatic and that that's something that's often forgotten people get sick but there are the people who take care of the people who are sick yeah um, and they often yeah. get sort of forgotten but mm. yeah I don't know I just don't really um, my grandmother died in my arms when I was about 11 years old. Um, m- my dad was there too. And it's actually quite... I-, I wish that we understood a little bit more about how we depart from the human body and how it's actually just like being born. Because everyone talks about birth. It's so wonderful. Yeah, nobody wants to be around when somebody dies. Exactly. But everybody wants to be there to celebrate <clears throat> the baby, right? Yeah, but if somebody in our family dies, I'm the first person they call because there are certain things that have got to happen with... You know, bodies. Do they do, call you? Yeah, they just because they know it doesn't frighten me, and they're you know it's really hard to. <laughs> you said you wanted to go deep. It is really difficult to get somebody's eyes to stay closed if you don't close them like straight away. And dead bodies do f- very. They they move. They groan. They they you know the intestines roll. You you can see them moving, and they're gone. Like the person is. They I think. They do hang about in the room for a bit, you know. They're there and they're listening and they're watching. So hearing is the last thing uh, usually to go. I think that's been proven, but it, I, I believe it. And if, if somebody you're with passes away, speaking with them um, is one of the most beautiful things that you can do because they really can still hear you. But it's just like, you know, just like somebody's there to catch a baby, you hope. <laughs> so you feel like, like a midwife for people who... Passing away. I would actually. There's such a job. Oh like yes. A hospice job. Um, one of the things I want to do in my life, if I, I really would like to become a midwife, um, and I'd really like to become an end of life doula, if you will, kind of like an end of life. That's awesome. Coach. Yeah, you should find out what the name of that is, or make one up. It's. I think it's. Well, people say end of life coach, um, end of life doula, like doula is like a birth coach. So, it's. There's this beautiful story. There are two sailors standing on a dock, and the young sailor, the, they're you know they're farewelling a boat, and the young sailor asks the older sailor um, uh, about passing away, and what he couldn't understand it, and being very afraid to die alone. And the answer is nobody dies alone. The older sailor says, "Well, you see how that ship is disappearing across along the horizon, and we've stood here waving at it, you know, waving our loved ones goodbye." over that horizon where we can't see there are other people and they're they're not waving they've got their arms outstretched so they can't see us and we can't see them but we know that they're there and when that ship reaches the point where we can't see it anymore it goes into the realm of the people who can see it and there's nobody's ever really alone at the end well that's a beautiful thought Mm -hmm. does that something that hangs out in your brain when you are looking at <laughs> dissections. I mean, this is, let's back up for a second. Sorry. <laughs> There's something super strangely exciting about fairy, diminutive, beautiful voice, blonde hair, Claire Bowen, obsessed with like a skull half cracked open or like, or like uh, uh, the guts folded open Oof. somewhere. Like that's kind of like, I would have never thought that girl was into that thing. But that's also one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you <laughs> is that I think that that's awesome because it weirdly sounds like it gives people permission to be that. 
thank you. But uh, have you been to a cadaver lab? Um, no, I really wanted to take systemic anatomy when I was at university, uh, but the timetables didn't line up with my Bachelor of Creative Arts, which I'm I'm not the most useful person in the world. <laughs> my sister, my soon-to-be sister-in-law is a doctor, and we have the most amazing conversations, and act- like we send pictures back and forth of like amazing medical discoveries. Like there, there is a man in the 60s who performed... I can't remember how old he was. I think he was like... I think he was only almost 30 maybe, stuck in Alaska with appendicitis and performed his own appendectomy on himself. Yeah, crazy. Could you do that? I have a very high pain threshold, so I've never, uh, I don't know. She could, she could, <laughs> she could definitely stitch herself closed. Uh, yeah. There's I, no question. I've had a lot of she surgery. She could in definitely stitch herself closed. Um, poor Brandon, he saw me looking, he went to, um, I was like, ooh, look at this, and it was like a it was like kittens and puppies or something, and I scrolled too far down. <laughs> like, yeah, don't look at the Instagram. <laughs> I was like, open brain Aver- case, open a- brain case. Avert your eyes, Christian. Open, open brain case? Did you just say that? Yeah. What is that? Um, well, they were, uh, it was an autopsy of a woman who had had a massive aneurysm, and they were basically looking at the, what, the, the cross-section of the brain and what an aneurysm does. Um, so it, I am not, it's not like a, a sick obsession. I find it truly fascinating and I, I, I would have liked to have been a doctor, but I can't count. I have some cognitive things from my experimental chemotherapy. Um, so I, I can't tell left from right very well and I can't, uh, I can't count. It's really hard to tell the time on an analogue clock we were talking mm-hmm. about that the other day mm-hmm. um so there are some things that uh, i have a photographic memory but it's broken so it it reverses things so i, I would be a dreadful i'd be the one to take the wrong leg off <laughs> but, but it's, so no, it's better that i do what i do um no i just find it fascinating I, and i think like my surgery the, the the biggest one that i had was a 10 hour total um i suppose I don't know what the technical term for it. I suppose it's like an evisceration where they had to take... They took my entire... uh, all Everything in my abdominal cavity out. They sliced me in half from my belly button to my spine um, on my side on a table, put everything in a bucket or a basin. I'm sure there's a better word for that (laughs) than that. Um, Took away all the cancer, cauterized a lot of stuff. So there's a lot missing. Um, filled, put it all back in, filled my body cavity full of chemo wash, sealed me up, rolled me around for a bit, and like, you know, they did the swish thing, and then suctioned it all out and sewed me up again. And then I had a seizure and my stitches, um, it was bad. So the one thing that is kind of difficult, not difficult to look at, but I, I think I had to get over it, was um, disembowelment, like when... Yes, guts outside the body um, and throat stuff because I had tubes coming out of my neck for the longest time when I was a kid. But it is fascinating uh, even, I don't know, I think maybe living in a body that is half there and has so many, like I'll go to, if I go to a new doctor, they're, they're really intrigued by like how, how do you even walk straight because everything's missing there. Um, but I don't know, it all kind of, feeds into wanting to be able to help people and I can't be a doctor but 
I can, I don't know, I, I could stitch somebody up if I learned how to suture and um, all that kind of stuff. And working with animals, you kind of end up up to your armpit in cow sometimes and it's horrible when they squeeze <laughs> when you're trying to check where a calf is or something. Um, up to your armpit in cow. Yeah. Cow. Oof. Yeah. I love cows. Right. I would... Let's speak about that for a second. You love cows? Yeah, I used to master cattle um, before Nashville, uh, before acting, really, I suppose, and um, on horseback, and I just really like cows. Right. And horses. And, and horses. And and every other just, animal, probably. Yeah. I really don't like ticks. They're probably the only animal yeah, that's that a I bug. don't. Yeah. Even those house centipede things, they eat spiders. They're all right. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Sorry. I love that. <laughs> this is the most fascinating thing ever. Would you consider ever being an EMR person, like an emergency responder? I think, I mean... You because have you have this lack of fear of the body being broken? I would love to. That would be wonderful. I'm just, I'm very small and not particularly strong, but um, even just being able to sit with somebody who's... Yeah, a calm voice yeah. is very powerful That's in, one in, thing in that, tragic situations. Oh, no, I didn't even know you could do that. That that <laughs> You just gave me another <laughs> life <laughs> okay, goal. Thank here you. Here comes some fun questions. You ready? Yeah. If, <laughs> because this is something that you are truly obsessed with, right? Mm -hmm. Would you get a tattoo of anything like this? Uh, or do you already have one? I talked to Brandon about this the other day. I was saying when, uh, when we're really old, maybe we'd get tattoos or something. But yeah. I'm covered in scars and I really love them. And that's, you know. Maybe that's it. I, they're my, like, they're, you know, and they're quite substantial, but I, I love every one of them. And I can't imagine looking at myself and not seeing them. Um, so my scars are kind of like maybe the equivalent of a tattoo. I think tattoos are absolutely beautiful. Um, I was just like, you know, like a tattoo of a brain skull open. <laughs> or a <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I was just, I, where's the line? My, so my question is, when you have an obsession like this, mm -hmm. right, and I'm, I get to talk to people about this, what they're passionate about, Where, where's the line where you've gone too far? Like, you have to tell yourself, hey, when I'm printing out these things from Instagram and, and posting them on my wall so I can just look at them all the time. Is that the line? Like, where's the line for you? I don't watch horror films. I, I think part of, because I've seen, like Brandon said, and this does not make me any better or worse than anybody else or any more learned or any of that stuff. It just is my experience. I grew up watching children somebody passed away every single day in my ward and I don't know of anybody else in my ward who got out um, and like I've had spinal taps and I've woken up during surgeries and I've had seizures and I've seen my own insides and um, so I, the glorification of horror pisses me off it really ticks me off and the there is so much that is really horrific about life that doesn't necessarily have to be blood exploding in your face, which has also happened to me. It was really gross. It was my own blood, thankfully, but... Ugh. 
stepped on a six-inch nail and it went through my an artery in my foot. Ah! Um, and I was like, what is that? Because I can't feel my feet properly because I've got neuropathy. So I, I was like nine and it like spurted into my face. Anyway, um, but I don't know. I just... I don't. I don't post those things on my. Like, I would never repost something that could right. because you're my, just you're just looking at it. Yeah, my followers and like people who follow me on social media. I don't like. I don't even subject Brandon to that. I don't let him look at things. <laughs> like, you can't unsee things. Mm-mm. But when <laughs> oh, you cannot. No, I'm so sorry, baby. <laughs> I love that you you're so comfortable with it, though. Well, you, I think you you you've got to be sensible about it. That the my, the line for me is when people. Turn it into acting? (laughs) Yeah, they're fascinated with horror. Okay, so you don't like horror films, but if you had to, or if you were asked, or if it was a lot, you know, like a big budget movie, would, you know, would you act in a horror film? I'm not sure. It would depend on the script. Um, I I was in a a film a long time ago where uh, my character died, and my mother... And a couple of actually, my best friend and my mother saw the part where I was being transported in this wheelbarrow to be disposed of, and it was awful. And I, I don't. Um, I think there's a. I, I I respect that there this is the horror genre. And one of my hobbies used to be watching B grade horror films when I was very young. Just probably the beginning of like seeing what I could see and be okay. I don't know because I part of my childhood was seeing some quite confronting things so wondering I I went through a lot of life thinking there might have been something wrong with my brain because I didn't respond to traumas that were right in front of me in a panicked way I went to work on them and made sure people were okay Um, but with horror films the more I watched the more I it it just made me angry that somebody would glorify people being torn apart and that yeah so I yeah I don't know I'm not sure if I think a thriller is much more entertaining uh and the it's just like the illusion of nudity is so much more interesting oh yeah of course of course a dress that goes below the knee exactly holds holds it down ankles (laughs) (laughs) my name is Shapiro Wells this is the story of my son, Courtney. You know, my name is Courtney Copeland. 2015 is the biggest year of my life. He was um, a ladies' man, even with his auntie and his grandmother. I'm Chance the Rapper. Courtney Copeland was a good friend of mine. In 2016, he wound up with a bullet in his back outside a Chicago police station. 2510 Robert. This guy flagged down at Grand and Central. A gentleman just said he was shot. And it's the story of my search for the truth. We want we want this is Somebody, a co-production of the Invisible Institute, The Intercept, and Topic Studios in association with Tenderfoot TV. Coming March 31st, wherever you get your podcast. This is somebody's child. Somebody deserves to know what happened. I deserve to know what happened to my son. Listen to Somebody on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 2. In every episode of Geekin' Out, I see if I can trade one thing that I've discovered recently with one thing that my guest has discovered. Anything is admissible in this friendly exchange I call Trade You. 
So chapter two. This is a little game I call Trade You. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. I'm going to okay. turn you on to something that I'm just kind of into right now, okay. and uh, you can take it or leave it. And then in return, you will turn me on to something that you're totally into right now. Okay. Um, I have had a um, particular obsession with uh, BBC television. Okay. It's been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. I have a deep relationship with myself watching. I mean, I went from Doctor Who to Torchwood to Deep, Deep, Deep Strange. Um, and right now, uh, because of the way they're marketing their stuff, I am currently into a TV show called Jamestown. Oh, Jamestown. boy. And Jamestown was the like first settlement Virginia. in Virginia. And apparently, first of all, forgive me for what I'm about to do to you. But um, these I'm guys, <laughs> the setup is, this is a BBC America show. Okay. About first of all, let's get the meta. Right. Sure, sure. The, the, this is hilarious. Yep. Staging the first settlement of people from Britain into America. Right. And the first that when they came over, they were all men. Right. Yep. And so they've been there for months, like twelve months, eighteen months, something like that. They've set up camp. They've now got a a wall, and they've got places that they live. And, and then suddenly they've all written back because apparently you can there were ships going back and forth and asked for women mm-hmm. so this is the story of the of the of the boat docks and the first women get off and many of them right. have been requested right. as wives right oh goodness <laughs> and then um and then the Native American stuff and then the actual story of Jamestown sure. and hilarity ensues yes right <laughs> yes. I, I just I know that it might be too much because you you act things and you're translating America for her, right? <laughs> Pretty much, and, yeah. And uh, this is going to be a real discussion point. I can imagine in yes. my mind that you guys are sitting up on your pillows at night and you're watching this together. Hey, honey, Christian said to do this. Yes. And you get halfway through and everybody's hitting the space bar. <laughs> can we talk about this? Yeah. Why is this happening? What is this? These are Brits talking about America, which I think is hilarious. Right. That is yeah. really funny. And I need to it's watch super that. serious. You is know, it? like they're trying to make this right. And I'm watching someone else's version of history go down than, sure. than East Tennessee history textbook right. taught me. Oh, exactly. Wow. You know, and it's pretty fun. We got to get into it. All right. Okay, what you got for me? Well, gosh. anything will go. All right. Uh, well, when I was when I was little, if I did something good, I would I could um, choose a uh, like. If I wanted to buy something, if you know, if I did well in school, I'd get a little present. Um, and the presents that I always wanted were uh, books on stories of Aboriginal spirituality in the Dreamtime, and they range from all the different kinds of bunyips and the rainbow serpent carving out the earth and, and making it what it is, um, to how the kangaroo got his tail. Uh, why the lyrebird's tail looks all burnt, um, and I'd have to. I've, I haven't read a, a book in a really long time because I've been shooting a television show that has kind of took over my life for six years, which I'm very grateful for. But uh, those stories were the ones that I really. I don't know. I I feel very lucky because I I went to Catholic school, um, and uh, Indigenous spirituality is a totally different thing to Christianity and and Catholicism, but we were taught it all the same both at home and at school. There was no, um, you know, you find in a lot of religions there is this 
um, disclusion of other people's, other cultures' beliefs. But in Australia, it is, I mean, we're from the country, so maybe it's different in the city, I don't know. But I, w I went to a school in a, a very low socioeconomic area of Sydney, which is now super trendy, of course. Um, but <laughs> we were taught about the dream time as well as Catholicism. Um, and it was just the most beautiful way to be brought up and it's part of my belief system and it always will be. Yeah, so uh, they're really interesting stories. If you Okay, well, uh, I, I would love to... How do I find them? Um, gosh, I think... Amazon? <laughs> I, a, a lot of books turn up on our doorstep from Amazon <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't get... I had, well, I haven't had time to go to bookstores and I, I much prefer going to bookstores. And are they, are they children's books or are they... There are children's books, um, there, and that, that's where we started. Like, if uh, th there's actually a beautiful children's book called The Rainbow Serpent, um, and it's this gorgeously illustrated, um, I don't know, there's the, the story of how, how the mountains and the rivers came to be. Um, because, I love this. yeah, it, it's really wonderful, and the, the different tribal totems um, and just indigenous life in general the way like before white people came and buggered everything up um it's fascinating and and truly beautiful like in the australian bush when you go there you can the spirituality is like everywhere and it can be quite a terrifying place um but in the most intriguing and beautiful way um and just the way the aboriginals lived off the land and um their their cultural base is it's just really beautiful. It's something that I grew up with, and I, when we go back to Australia, it's lovely for me to, to be in. I don't know. There's there's nothing like the Australian bush. It's a beautiful place. So, it's and there there is some very sad history. Um, there is a book called um, Blood on the Wattle that actually documents what happened to the Aboriginals and a lot of uh, well personal accounts from farmhands who couldn't bear what was happening. Um, mm and that's a totally different side of it but right. it's we're not taught those things enough in school but thank god we were taught about the dream time so dream time stories I okay think i accept it would be beautiful i'm gonna totally read them and when people start looking at them, me having kids books on the bus <laughs> and my children are in their teens blame it on claire bone it's but they're mine <laughs> i will claim them as my own well, i love it <laughs> read about how the kangaroo got his tail how the kangaroo got his tail yeah Awesome. <laughs> well, thank y'all both for being here. Thank you for having well, us. You're absolutely. absolutely the most interesting people ever. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I've never had any of this kind of conversation with anybody like this. So, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Absolutely. Okay. Bye-bye. Chapter 3. Me geeking out on music. The False Ending. One of the most important building blocks of rock and roll is the thrilling feeling that you don't know what's going to happen next. The suspicion that what you're listening to or seeing live is a group of people that are playing so intensely that they might explode their amps, that the guitar player might smash his guitar, that the band will get so loud that something overwhelming, something unpredictable is going to happen. This anxiety and thrill is what makes rock bands legendary, and what draws us in as listeners and fans. Today, I want to talk about something that I'm exploring in my own recordings right now as a producer, 
I'm attempting to create a live moment, a moment that's recognized by the players as unplanned so that it'll resonate with the listener as a moment where anything could happen. The rock and roll mystery, the false ending. The first time I was aware of a band sounding like they're barely being held together in a recording was The Replacements. They were famous for getting so drunk on stage that watching them try to pull it off was as entertaining as anything else they were doing. Here's their song, Bastards of Young, from a club in Hoboken, New Jersey called Maxwell's in 1986. Listen to how reckless. It feels like this band is falling downstairs. The next time I was exposed to this energy was in Bruce Springsteen's recording, Born in the USA. At the end, the band puts in a false ending. Now, depending on who you ask, this was planned versus this was not planned. It's as debated as if Han Solo shot first. The story goes that the E Street Band were ending the song. And they held out the last note. And at some point, Bruce just started counting back in. And then the band followed suit. It's an amazing thing to hear. Suddenly, the well-rehearsed musician is off script. The E Street Band are so talented that they read the indicators and they were brave enough to start playing again and confident enough to make it up as they go. Listen. I've always been fascinated with this moment in this recording. I think it puts something special into the song. So this brings me to Lindsay L's album, The Project. There's a song on the album called Wildfire. I kept encouraging the band in the studio while we were recording it to extend the ending so that Lindsay could play a guitar lead over the top of it. I tried to make sure we didn't rehearse it too much. I wanted the chaos of a band trying to communicate with their instruments. I wanted it to feel like the musicians found a wave, paddled it, and then decided to stand up and write it. Here's our false ending.
So because I loved this idea so much, I asked if we could consider a false ending with a song from the new Sugarland album. The song in question is called Not the Only. It's the last song on the record. Let's listen and I'll walk you through it. I think what's beautiful about this is that we do this as our first encore on tour right now. And all of the same feelings and rules apply live. I can feel the push and the pull and the release, everything. This is the moment for me every night that we play simply as a band on a stage. It's never planned what we will play or for how long. time you feel the band you're listening to cross the line into the beautiful land of we don't know what's going to happen next listen watch with reverence let the hair on your arm tingle. take it in it's the promise of rock and roll that something is happening right in front of you let it remind you that life is not always planned out and like the band that you love if you take a chance and leap something amazing might happen I hope you enjoyed this episode and this entire season of Geeking Out. I am grateful for you sharing your time with me and all of my guests as we explore the passions of people everywhere. Are you obsessed with something amazing? Want to tell us about it? Write to us at geekingoutwithkb at gmail.com and you might be a guest on an upcoming episode. Come find out more about me and this podcast at christianbush.com, Christian with a K, Follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Christian Bush on Instagram, Christian Bush on Facebook, and Christian M. Bush on Snapchat. Thanks to Bobby Bones for this incredible opportunity to build this podcast, Brandon Bush for the editing and the soundtrack, Tom Tapley for audio wizardry, and Whitney Pastrick for being a great producer and making this whole thing possible. I am Christian Bush. I'm geeking out. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. We know that so many people who listen to our show 
have been trying to find some ways to fill some unexpected time at home as pretty much the whole country has gone into a more protective mode in the face of the current pandemic. So uh, we wanted to help out and we came up with a list of shows that are a little lighter in tone and maybe a little funny to help kind of lift some spirits and also just provide an escape from the things that are going on. This is something we are calling our Offbeat History Playlist. It is going to drop as 10 episodes into our show's feed. That is going to happen on Thursday, March 19th. They will all be labeled as our Offbeat History Playlist, so you'll know what that is when you see it. So we hope that it helps you get through this crazy time and that you enjoy. Deep in rural New Hampshire, on the side of a dark highway, the hills had witnessed a light in the sky a craft hovering above a field. They thought that was the end of their story. Two years later, under hypnosis, they would learn that there was more to that night. So what had they forgotten? The strange case of Betty and Barney Hill, this season on Strange Arrivals, a co-production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listen to Strange Arrivals on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.